Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And uh, we have a great topic tonight. This is uh, Brain Awareness Month. And Matt McCarl, he'll be here in a minute to explain, to tell you the right name, because I probably got that right. But we're talking about the brain and Hyperbarics and Wellness Center. New Leaf is going to be here to talk about that and how oxygen is helping with that. And then we also have a special guest that is coming on, Daniel Isaacson. And um, I met him online and he works with an organization in town called NAMI, which deals with folks with mental health issues, which there are plenty of us out there. So we're going to just kind of open that up and kind of talk about the unhoused. We're going to talk about kind of, this is just going to be a conversation. So we're going to talk about some of the issues, some of the things going on, his personal story, and bring this all together kind of in a package. And that way, if you guys have some questions about that, you know, you can feel free to ask. Um, but as it unfolds, I'm trying to be let these be a little more natural than we used to do and not have it so planned out because I think a conversation is a great way to go. So let's start that conversation with Matt McCarl from New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness. So Matt, what is it brain? I have brain fog awareness month. <laughs> right. Um, so it is it is national you know brain health awareness month. For us, we focus on concussion and stroke awareness for this month. Because folks really need to understand that just because you have a concussion or because you have a stroke, it's not, you're not necessarily stuck like that. Right. We're learning more and more all the time with all these studies you're doing with hyperbarics that folks can regain a lot of their mobility or get rid of that brain fog, the word recovery issues that a lot of folks have after concussions or even after strokes, all the above things with some hyperbaric therapy. And I think the other thing that we should talk just really quickly about is you're having really good success for people that have brain fog after COVID. Um, mm -hmm. you've, had, you've had a number of patients come in and they just had that little bit of fog afterwards. I remember after I had H1N1, I had, it took me a couple months to get back to being, you know, as obnoxious as I used to be. And yeah, if you, um, what you learn is that the brain uses 20% of all the oxygen or air we breathe on a standard day, just functioning. So when you have a respiratory illness that causes your lungs to not get as much oxygen in, folks that have CPAP, or not CPAP, but use the CPAP because they have um, sleep apnea, can have some brain fog just from that as well. So you need a lot of oxygen for your brain to function correctly. And when it's deprived of that for even a short amount of time, it causes a little bit of damage up there and starts causing that brain fog and can lead folks into dementia and Alzheimer's. So people dealing with strokes, any, any of that stuff, all, even autism on the autism spectrum, people like that with brain things that they can come in there, talk with you guys, you guys have programs, you can get them set up and everything. Oh yeah. We have a few autistic folks that come in and see us now that are having great response between the hybrid chamber. And then when we added red light therapy a little over a year and a half, almost two years ago now, wow, time flies we're seeing a great response with adding the red light therapy in with the oxygen therapy to focus on the brain itself, especially when in, they're in the chamber. Okay. I want to bring another guest on, and this is Daniel Isaacson. And Daniel, I'm going to put you up in my square. We'll flip you over there. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Daniel. So I just we just kind of started talking online the other day, and you're with NAMI. Can you explain to people what NAMI is here in our area? 
Well, just to be clear, I, I'm not speaking on behalf of NAMI because I, I'm not allowed to, to, to speak on behalf of NAMI. I'm, I'm the president of NAMI. Um, NAMI is a great organization. I'd, I'd welcome people to go take a look at, at, their, at their website, but I, I can't speak about um, NAMI online. But, but you, you're very familiar with the mental health community, and, and for one reason, that's because you lost a very dear friend in that yeah. community. Why tell us yeah. that a little bit. So a friend of mine, we've been friends since I was in high school, um, and he struggled with a lot of mental illness throughout his life, um, a lot of childhood issues and uh, uh, alcoholism for the, the latter part of his life. And he died in an officer-involved shooting uh, here in Lane County uh, in 2018, July 12th. So you you do this has become a topic for you because you're you have a, your own business you have a private business and yeah. company but, but serving on the board of NAMI you're seeing a lot of things going on in our community and dealing with mental health and what what are we seeing what's the what what is going on out there? Well, your your title is appropriate. It's a crisis. Um, we have become untethered from uh, a natural part of our healthcare. We tend to treat mental health care as somehow different. Than the rest of our healthcare, when they're exactly the same, um, we tend to yell at people for having a, a mental health disorder as opposed to yelling at someone who has diabetes. Um, we tend to blame them for for having it as opposed to looking to how we treat it. Um, and so the result is um, a demonstrable decline in funding to the point where Oregon is the last in the country in mental health funding. Um, what last? We're last, dead last. Guam is beating us. Um, <laughs> so. Um, we, we are pretty much what I call a baseline. Uh, if you did absolutely nothing, um, I'm not sure you'd have a better result um, than what we get from, from where we're at right now. Um, and you know, if, if you think of the, the nasty word, which is asylum, right? Um, asylums were uh, some of, something of a, a horror to a, to a degree. Um, I mean, everyone knows of you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and the, and the horror stories that came out of it. But the result has gone to the opposite end of the pendulum now. We, we still have asylums. We didn't get rid of of, of, uh, of mental illness, but we just transferred the asylum to an invisible one where people bounce between the ER, jail, and the street. And I would argue that that is way more crueler to to people uh, to offer them false hope and to you know have medication than not medication and recycling through, through their mental crisis um, than anything else that we're doing. Um, and so- well, and isn't that a lot more expensive if you're treating, I mean, we're not, you're, oh, just so people are clear. Daniel is not saying we want asylums again. I mean, Fairview was closed for a reason. Yeah. We're not talking about asylums, but we need places where people can go to get help. Right. Is that, is that what we're seeing down here with under the bridge at Jefferson Street in Eugene? It's just it's like a, a I mean, it's, there's like a hundred people down there. It is, I, I think that what we're seeing under under the bridge is as a natural the natural byproduct of not having a place for folks to go to get mental health care. Um, and you're going to see more people on the streets. You're going to see more people in jail. I, I had a conversation with the sheriff uh, last week. He spends three million dollars a year on on mental health care for his pay, uh, for his uh, for his inmates. Um, at three hundred thousand bucks a pop for for deputies, you could have ten more deputies on on patrol right now, or a fifty percent increase in your patrol deputies if we just funded mental health care appropriately. Um, I mean, think of it this way. In the 70s, we had 7,600 beds. Um, okay, no, wait, the so 7,600 beds, okay. We have 600 and, uh, 610 for the entire state of 4 million people now. So as a state, why don't, why don't we take this more seriously in terms of, um, you know, the, I, 
I, I don't want to sit here and blame, but I mean, obviously the legislature and the, the, the heads of our state have for decades have not looked at this as very important or it doesn't, it doesn't seem to get the money exactly, you know? Well, it, there's, it's, it, to reverse the course requires so much that it's, we're kicking the can down the road, but th right. we're now at a wall. So there's no more road to kick down. You know, we in Lane County has no inpatient drug addiction center, no suicide prevention hotline locally or counseling. We have one of the lowest social service worker to population ratios. We have the highest, one of the highest rates of child abuse. Um, it, 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 it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's gonna require a more involved full court press to address it. And you have a breakdown, I think, for the population that doesn't trust government to solve the problem. You have government who's trying to do the best it can with the resources it has, but this is, I mean, and then you have a lack of, of care professionals, even if you had the funding involved, since there's only so many social workers out there. So little things like that, it's, this is, there's no silver bullet here. Leah says, as a case manager at different sector, people come in from us, we can't help them because they need to be served by mental health. They never get the help from mental health and then bounce back and forth between the hospital and the streets, never getting the help that they need. It's heartbreaking. Right. So that is the asylum. That's right. So we've, we've just, we've admitted the walls invisible and so that we don't have to see it. Um, and we can kind of push it out of the, out of the foreview. The problem is, is that we now are seeing the results under the bridges and on the streets and, um, and those are the the extremes of mental health, right? So those those are the the outliers. But depression, anxiety, um, uh, suicidal ideation, those are things that happen in just about every household um, that I've talked to over the past year with COVID and everything else. It costs our country forty billion in lost productivity a year. Um, I don't know anybody who hasn't been touched by mental illness uh, in the past year, and it happens because we don't talk about it. It's there's a stigma attached to it. Uh, we, pre we pretend that it doesn't exist and it's going to go away. Well, you can pretend that your diabetes is going to go away and that doesn't work. So why do we assume that if you have depression that it's going to go away by sheer force of will? It just doesn't happen. So why is this such a big deal to you, Daniel? Um, I'm tired of learning the names of people who die from, th from this disease um, and learning um, about ways we could have solved this. I think that there's very simple ways that we can get past the partisan gridlock that, that tends to happen and the blame game that kind of happens in the comment sections on Facebook um, and get to the real heart of things. Um, we have to remember that we're human beings first and start from that foundation and build from there. Um, you know, when your friend dies of brain cancer, the initial reaction by people is empathy. It's, oh my God, Rick, I'm so sorry to hear that happen to your son. What, what can, I, can I give you a hug? Can I do something for you? when you tell somebody that your friend died in an officer involved shooting, the first reaction is, well, what did, what did he do? Right. Yeah. So there's judgment. So what that does for someone like myself is you end up censoring what you say. You end up saying um, only parts of the story or you, you mask it a little bit until you know the person who's asking the question. And so you, in your head, you know, you're censoring what you're saying. And so then you get pissed off at yourself for not, saying the true story or being embarrassed by your friend um, or anything else. And so now you're judging yourself for that action. And then that spirals into hating yourself a little bit for, for having gone down that road, not just being true and who cares what other people say and that kind of thing. And then it just cycles every single day, every single day. Um, and that goes for comments on online, you know, when their kids read uh, the comments of people saying the nastiest things that they possibly can, because they just want to, have an online fight. 
um, those that causes generational problems for people when it just doesn't need to happen, you know? Now, I don't know if you know this, but what happened, somebody's saying what happened to the hospital, the facility in Junction City? It's open, isn't it? That's my understanding, yeah, yeah, it is. But again, that, that that's 620 beds for 4 million people. In Lane yeah. County alone, there's about 24,000 people, or you could fill half of Autzen Stadium uh, with folks who need not to be 24 hour monitor, but need a caseworker to work with them on medication. And we have 640 beds. So I feel like this is like one of those things that people, they spout off about, but they don't really, nobody really does. I remember, and I won't say who, but under a, a person's uh, leadership in recent, well, let's say last 15 years or whenever, actually Junction City, the, the mental facility out there, this hospital was set for closure um, and it was just barely open. And so we're here. We are talking about closing facilities like this when we don't even have, you know, you know what I mean. It's like I don't understand. It I, it, it sounds like I I feel like this gets a lot of lip service. And whenever we see these, how you know, all the people down here, oh yeah, mental health. We need to take care of mental health. Well, there's there's a, such a thing as a will, and then there's just bullshit. And I feel like it gets this is an issue because we really don't. I'm just gonna say I don't think we really care. I think we don't like it. It feels bad, but I think as a culture, is it is it a big enough deal that we really believe that it is affecting so many people? Because it does. I think I know so many people with. I mean, I struggle with a little bit of depression. It's not sure. like clinical, but it's like when I, you know, people go, "Oh, we'll just get in a better mood." That's not it, dumbass. It can't just get in a better mood. There's more insulin. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, why don't you, over, why don't you give yourself a little more insulin sure. or a little more chemotherapy or something? Yeah, yeah, you feel, yeah, you feel. But that's what I mean. I don't think we take this seriously as a disease. I think we still, here's what it is. I think we still think it's their fault. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, 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 th I think that there's, there's that blaming there. I, but I also think we've become accustomed to thinking that we're on our own. We don't necessarily have to be. Right. Um, I'll give you a perfect example of a program that we're working on right now. I'm working on right now. Um, something called TIP. Um, it has a 30-year track record of, of being successful. It operates up in Portland. It operates uh, in different parts around the country. When there's a, a unexpected death, uh, the person who goes out and tells the next of kin is typically a death investigator from the police department. Um, they hate the job. It's one of the worst parts about their job. No one wants to do it. Um, but so they're very robotic in the way that they deliver it. It's just, you know, Rick, your wife has passed away in a car accident. Here's a telephone number for the hospital. I'm really sorry to, you know, do you have any questions and move on, right? And so they leave and you're just left with your whole world is destroyed. So what TIP does is it's a volunteer program where they dumbo drop into the crime scene with the with the uh, the police, learn about what happened and then go with the police to go notify the family member, and then sit with them and walk them through the next hour, day, month, year of their life. So this is how you call the mortuary. If it's a crime scene, this is how you call and find the, the company that will come and clean it up. I will tell you as the person who had to do that, if I could remove one moment of that day other than my friend's passing, not having to have to have done that, or to call his kids or his parents and let them know or know what to say would have been that will stay with me the rest of my life. And I could have easily done away with that aspect of it. But tip so as a so, 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 so this is what happened to you. 
Yeah. Is the, 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 the officer, whoever had to do that comes in and just lays that on you. And so you're creating this program because or you're getting us involved in this program. Yeah. Because you directly know what it's like to then, if your friend is is killed in a shooting, and you had to clean him off you out of the, I yeah. mean, that's, and that's just awful. And and what does that do to your mental health? Oh, or, it, like I said, you know? it, there's before Dan, and then there's now, and it, it's a hole that will never be filled um, from. A variety of different buckets from that day, but that one uh, was a needless bucket that didn't need to need to exist. I'll give you a good example: um, a woman whose son committed suicide in his car, and he, for whatever reason, brought his baby book with him, and she wanted it back, and she didn't know that there were services to go in there and do it for her and do the cleanup. So she had to go in that car to get it. I mean, the level of trauma that woman is now experiencing because she just didn't know that there are services out there to take care of it. Like right. this is the type of stuff we're dealing with. And it's so easy. I mean, it's just there, this is a layup, you know, there's nobody who's not going to support this program. It is, they, they run it on 350,000 bucks a year in Portland for Lane County. We're going to get it done for half that. If you split it up between Eugene Springfield, the County and peace health on their savings for mental health, you're talking about 40 grand a pop. That's when they're going to spend on posted notes. I mean, this, this is a, this is a solve that we can, we can do, but I just think we're so accustomed to this is just the norm and it just this is the way the things are as opposed to let's find a way to, to do common sense solutions to help solve this problem and walk this thing back. So this is, that's how personal that is for you. Yeah. And this is one tiny piece. Cause I know people are probably sitting out there going, well, this, that, but, but there's so many other things we have to do and there are, but I, I think that what I'm getting from you and 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 this conversation is that the, the number one thing we need to do is make this a priority. Yeah. Talk about and, it. Yeah. Talk um, about the fact that, you know, OK, I, I had a lady walking down the street with me the other day. I don't I do not know her, but she's walking by and she says, I'm so angry. And I said, what are you angry about? And she says all that shit and those people down there under that bridge, it's just I'm just done with this. It's everywhere around Eugene and you know, I'm just done with it. And I understand that frustration because it does there's it's it, it, I mean, in the last year it's grown enormously um, in terms of the camps and places like that. But then I think maybe as a population, if we start thinking those people um, a, a good percentage of those people are struggling with mental illness yep. and they're there because we're not coming up with a better solution and we're still talking about closing mental facilities. I mean, come on. I mean, there's a, there's a ballot measure that that I'm working on. That's the that's like the big fish, and I I, I love your audience's uh, uh, thoughts on it, your thoughts on it. But it's a model after the uh, something called Caring for Denver. It was passed in 2018, passed 70 30, no organized opposition, um, and the the results from that have been transformative. Uh, they have almost the same demographics that Eugene has, had similar similar problems with um, with unhoused, similar problems with mental illness, and no funding uh, was available. They passed a small uh, tax increase, went to uh, create a brand new nonprofit who gives out somewhere around $35 million a year strictly on mental health um, through a normal RFP process. So they people offer ask for, for money to fund a certain program. The first two checks they wrote were to create a cahoots in in uh, in Denver and something called alternatives to jail, 
where people who are picked up on really low level, you know, loitering, trespassing, disorderly conduct, they're brought in, evaluated if they have a mental problem and are taken to a crisis center and then got paired with a counselor and a treatment center, a treatment process, and may not even go through the, the criminal justice system at that point. They're just transferred out. And the recidivism rate is a third of what it was before. Wow. Their, their chamber of commerce is so enthusiastic about it that they're willing to fly out here and sit with our chamber of commerce to walk them through why they should support it. Uh, and most public policy ideas are ones where you have a theory, we, we wanna do this, it, it's a great idea, but we don't know for sure if it'll work. We can point to them and say, they're doing it, it's working. Um, and the other comment about it I heard, it was funny, was I was having a comment or a, a listening session with some city officials about it and they brought up the cahoots that they had modeled it after us. And they said, oh, they're, they're copying our, our model. And I said, no, actually it's the other way around because they fund their cahoots at 100%. So the people who are working there get the market wages of, of an actual social worker. We're funding ours at about 70%. So someone who has to go and work at, or wants to go work at Cahoots has to take a pay cut to do it. So there's only so many people are willing to do that. So right. even within our system, we're not doing it right. So, so we come up with the idea, well, but we're so cheap, we don't pay people enough to keep them and do that. But that is so much our state. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, um, I could get off on talking to you about people that, you know, people that we have, my brother-in-law's uh, in, a, in a home for people with different abilities. He's in a wheelchair, he has CP. And we go through people like you would not believe because they don't get paid. These are wonderful people who care so much about him yeah. and these folks and they get to know him. And then what happens? They're gone. Yeah. And, and these people, what, one of the things that people on the spectrum need is consistency. Probably. And so we don't pay enough. We, you know, people are bitching about the minimum wage and it's like going, I, you, what about people that are really doing like, these are jobs that are high. This is like, they they can do anything a nurse can do, but not put a needle in. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're qualified to do all that. And we pay them, you know, so you, you want to get in a minimum wage conversation. I, I would love to have that conversation with people. Um, well, Timothy well, Baker is very, I wanted to put his comment in here. Timothy um, has a daughter who uh, years and years ago um, took her life. And he, and he says it's taken as a personality flaw, um, mental health issues, not a disease. There's a stigma behind mental health that people, when Jennifer took her life, there was a sheriff that came to our house. He quit being a sheriff and became a counselor um, after doing that. So those are, and you guys, these are real life stories of people. Um, and so, so that, okay, so now I love what you're talking about here, Daniel. So tell, tell us about, so this, where is it at with this, um, this, this group coming out here that we could, so that they've been out here yet or they're coming out here? We're going to get them on a plane to come out here um, and, and sit down with us. We're, we're in the beginning of stages. We want this for 2024. We're building our coalition. I want this coalition to have folks from at both ends of the spectrum um, politically. I don't want this to be just the, the liberal left or the far right. I want both sides at the table to have a conversation because mental illness doesn't care who you voted for in the last election. It will <laughs> devastate your family equally. Uh, it is an, it was a, an absolute equalizer. But So when they come out, when they come out, I want – would you, I want to have them on the show to find out what happened there. Or sure. if you find out that they're going to come out and they're open to doing this, I would do this beforehand to say, these folks are coming out, but, but be in their community with, you know, via this system here and then talk to them about the change that has happened and then kind of get people ready for this coming to Eugene and Springfield. 
That, yeah, that, I think that, that we can have these conversations in rural parts of Lane County as well, because that's the part of, of services that just don't exist. You know, the suicide rate in Lane County is four times greater than 84% of the counties in the country. Say that again. Four times greater than 84% of the counties in the country. And if you're in Junction City, Cottage Grove, or Florence, it's double that. So our age group, us three, um, are the ones that are the most at risk. Some somewhere between the ages of call it 45 and 60, male in rural parts of of of, uh, of Lane County. It we are killing each other and killing ourselves at a rate that is just unheard of. Lane County's numbers in the next few years will be approaching Multnomah County just in the raw number. So just the raw number of dead bodies in Lane County is approaching Multnomah County, and they're twice our size. Like at some point. <laughs> There has to be a conversation about this and what we're doing isn't working. So Matt, you live in Junction City, so you probably know this well. Um, yeah, actually uh, a little farther north. I'm actually in Lynn County, so I'm in Harrisburg. Mm. Um, but yeah, and as a volunteer fireman, I uh, we see this out there in that little town quite often. We just had a guy, probably been four months ago, that took his life. Just, you know, he was struggling with this type of stuff. So that's, well, I'm ex super excited about this. Um, what are you calling this, uh, Daniel? We have to have a name, right? Uh, Caring for Lane County. Caring for Lane County. I like this. So will you keep us in touch with that? And, 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 and then we're seriously, when they agree to come out here, like yeah. maybe the week before or something, I can set up a show with them and I can get up to five people on here and just stick them on here and talk to them about the reality of what's going on. Um, I would love to do that as a way to introduce this to town so that people, you know, and maybe all of us here that are watching on here and where we share this, if you guys share this with people on your page that, you know, maybe we could all be like super positive about this. You know, yeah, it's a depressing subject, but I, in, in a way, but it's also inspiring in the sense that we can make a difference. Look, if we look at what happened in Denver, they change, they turn that ship around. We can turn this around. We can have fewer stories. We can't stop everyone from killing themselves. We can't stop mental illness in its tracks. What we can do is turn the stigma around to have conversations about what it means to be human and what it means to care about your neighbor, you know, that. I am benefited by the fact that you are able to get healthcare in, you know, for your, for your brain. You know, right. it doesn't help me to, to have you sit at home, not able to work, not able to get a job because you're so ravaged by anxiety and depression. You know, I want you to be, to be healthy and I don't right. want, you know, the opposite. So see, I would take the language that you had. I would say we will turn this around. Yeah. I'm kind of learning. I'm, I'm learning from myself as I give myself an out. I can change this. No, yeah, you can, but will you? So I think as a community, if you, if we want to stop seeing tents uh, underneath the bridges and we want to stop seeing uh, camps at West 11th and all that, we can bitch about it and we can moan about it and scream about it and take pictures and post it on cot on tape or whatever, you know, site you're on. Um, but the bottom line is if we don't start talking about mental health issues and find a way to help people, um, it's going to just continue. And I think this is hopeful. I really like this idea. Um, yeah. So if you're looking for some moderate people that don't really fit in very well, um, you know, get me, I, I, I might be, I don't do far left, far right, but I'm, I'm just a, 
I'm a fence sitter. That's what they call me. I'm just like, the, I'm a, and I'm not a fence sitter, but that's what they like to call me. But I, I'd love to be a part of the conversation and say more. And I will, uh, I'll put this out there anytime. Well, thank you very much, Rick. And thank you very much. And Matt, thanks, man, for sponsoring our show and letting us do this and talking about brain health. And uh, if, if people want to go in and if you are someone struggling with, you know, depression and those kind of things, I'll tell you what, the, the miracles of oxygen. Um, I was telling Daniel before the show started, you've got to go try this. <laughs> you've got to go because it really does help people, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I myself, you know, I lost my parents just a couple years ago, and I've realized recently that that's starting to affect me. And mainly, I think that a lot of that is the mental clarity I get while I'm in the chamber. So we have a lot of folks that work through PTSD that way, too, and have psych the clinic up in Washington has a counselor in there that rented a room in their clinic for a while and they would have their clients go do hybrids prior to their counseling sessions because they would be more open and more able to work on the things that they needed to work on. Well, I'll tell you, there's nothing wrong with laying in there for an hour with pure oxygen and you come out and I mean, I feel like I'm stoned. And yes, I do remember what it's like to be stoned when I was a kid. And the first time Matt looks at me coming out and I go, could I stay here for a little while? I don't think I should probably drive. But it's so relaxing. And I think we all need that in our life so we can think better and take better care of each other. So, well, Matt, thanks again for sponsoring us. And you guys, I put the phone number on here. If you, I always get people after the show, I really want to try that. Well, then get your ass down there and do it. And that's all you got to do. It's like, I, you know, it's not brain surgery. And, um, and Daniel, thank you for coming on and just uh, sharing the conversation with us. I think it gives us a place to start. And you gave me a little bit of hope today because I really want, um, I want to, you know, people to get the help that they need, and especially in this area because that's tragic. I think what we're doing as a community it, by allowing people just to do that is is tragic because we're not helping them. We're just we're almost, and then the longer they stay there the more it becomes normal. And this can never be normal. Mental health issues could be the norm, but we can't get used to allowing people to suffer on the streets of Eugene and, and walk away like nothing's happening. I mean, that's ridiculous. People are saying thank you to you too, Daniel. And Daniel, you can go back on this and anybody, if they have a comment or a question and you want to address something like that, feel free, just go in there and post a comment or and put the information on when this stuff is coming up and please keep in contact with me so we can get keep this in the front of people's minds okay thank you so much very much we'll put the frontal lobe <laughs> we will. absolutely all right see you guys later thank you matt thanks you guys see you later so there you go good news um that's what a conversation can do all of a sudden we find out there's things going on there's things we can do so instead of just griping and bitching about what's happening out there um you know do something and don't come up with all the ways it's like, you know what I'm so tired of you guys. All we do is this kind of stuff comes up, but what about this? And what about that? We sound like, um, you know, the, I don't know, the evil stepmother or something. Instead of saying, what about won't work? What about, what about would work? And maybe if we had a better attitude of on ourselves, maybe this could work better. So I see hope in that. And I hope you do too. And if you don't, then you need to look harder. <laughs> There, you're wrong. <laughs> um, tomorrow night, we're going to uh, do something pretty cool. 
Um, the Friday is the anniversary of the Thurston High School shooting. I called around to some people that I know that were there and we, we kind of decided we're just not going to do that with them. I'm going to re-air a, a story because I think it's really important to remember what happened. Talk about mental health issues. What happened and how our community struggled and we got through that. So we're going to do that and I'm going to let you guys talk a little bit about that. And then I just found a guy who needs some help. This is a 26 year old man. He doesn't need help. He needs help getting the word out. He wants to give something away. So we're going to put that in the show. So we'll have something we need to remember uh, so that it doesn't happen again. I'm a strong believer. And if you look at history and you remember what happened, that that's a good way of keeping it from ever happening again. And, um, and Kip Kinkle was bu bullied and, um, and had mental health issues. And we're still bullying people and allowing people to have mental health issues. So we need to do all we can to stop that from happening. But then we'll end it with something really positive that you can help. And we're going to give a young kid uh, some hunting gear, uh, bow and arrow and that kind of stuff uh, from a guy. So it should be really good. So I'm excited about it. So that's our Thursday show. So I'll see you tomorrow. I'll share this on your page because you know how Facebook is. They try to keep things under wrap unless you pay it.